Um, a few weeks ago, I just emailed a couple of church leaders that really have been uh, journeying with me and journeying with our, our senior leadership team and journeying with us as a church over the last year. Some of them you, you may know. You may know Matt Hatch. You might know Alan Emerson. You might know, uh, you won't know my friend Jason, but um, they're going to just come up. And I've asked them just to give us, just send us a little video of encouragement to encourage us on our team. I thought it would be a nice thing to do uh, for Easter Sunday. So um, next, next Sunday, Alan, who's the second person up on the screen, is going to be here with us next Sunday. He's going to be teaching, uh, he's going to really be sharing his story. He's written a book called Luminous Dark, which involves his journey through the, really through the valley of the shadow of death, really, when he lost his um, wife of two years in his early 20s um, to cancer. And he talks about that story. And he's now uh, remarried and he has children and he's a pastor in Emmanuel Church in Lurgan. But he's been a, a good friend to our team this past year. We've got to know him a little more. So he's gonna be preaching next Sunday. And I'd really encourage you to come along because his book is brilliant. I'd encourage you to read it, but he's gonna tell his story here and it's gonna be really powerful. And then at the end of the month, um, my friend Jason, who I, I met uh, online, actually. He's a church planter outside Chicago. Um, he's planting a church community that's doing some interesting things just out, outside Chicago in a city called South Bend City. And um, he's a great guy. He's a great communicator. He's coming to stay with me for a few days, and he's going to be teaching at the end of of April, I think it's the 29th of April. He's gonna be teaching here. So I just wanted to introduce a couple of these guys to you very quickly, but also this will just be a little bit of fun and encouragement to you. So play it away, Jack. Happy Easter. My name is Matt Hatch. I lead Mosaic Church in Leeds, longtime friend of Redeemer Central. And we're just wanting to wish you all the best uh, on this Easter Sunday. Just an encouragement, uh, we've been learning as a church family a little bit about the persecuted church. You know, there are more buried Bibles in North Korea than anywhere else on the planet. The issue is, if you get caught with a Bible, you get arrested, your family get arrested, your extended family get arrested, sent to a prison camp, and the key is thrown away. And so this Easter, we want to encourage you to remember to enjoy the freedom that you have to meet together, um, to not forget the church family across the world that have greater struggles than us uh, to remember that the church is a body and as one part of the body suffers the whole body suffers and so let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that really need our prayers this easter sunday so god bless hope to see you soon hi guys if you don't know me my name is alan emerson um, um, I've had the privilege over the last year or so to have gathered sometimes with uh, some of your leaders and heard a little bit of their heart for the church and how they've been navigating this time of transition for you guys. And uh, so I just really want to uh, say just a massive well done for getting to where you are after the last number of months and years. Um, it's amazing to see the church increasing in health and vision and articulation of where you feel God is leading you in the days ahead. And so I'm really looking forward to being with you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, it's going to be great to just see, see what the Lord's doing and to see just the, the beauty of the family of God there in Redeemer Central. So uh, my prayer is that you just keep going and as the Apostle Paul said, always be um, remain unshakable and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
And so I'll be praying that for you and looking forward to being with you soon. God bless you all. Hey, Redeemer, my name is Jason Miller, and I'm a pastor in South Bend, Indiana with South Bend City Church and a big fan of Redeemer. Uh, Dave was actually out here with our church in the fall. Uh, I'm going to be out there in Belfast hanging out with Dave uh, in a bit, but I want you to know that this Easter I'm praying for you and cheering for you as you declare good news and gospel for the city of Belfast and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I love you guys from a distance, and I'll see you soon. Um, yeah, a couple of little, hopefully, encouraging messages. Hopefully, just helps you see some of the leaders that myself and some of our uh, other senior leaders um, spend some time with. And we'll get to hang out with Alan next week, and, and hopefully, Jason, you'll get to meet him at the end of the month. But just so you know that we are journeying in relationship with other churches and other church leaders, and, and we're excited about what the rest of this year holds for us um, as we move forward into all that God has for us. So I thought I would share that with you today. Um, I just want to begin today by talking, I just want to read, do some reading. I want us to get into the story of Easter today. Um, uh, I want us to read from the Gospel of Mark. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got a smartphone, if you've got an, a Bible app on it, you've got a Bible on your table, um, I want you to open it to the Gospel of Mark. And so there's four Gospels, four accounts of the life of, of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today we're going to just read from Mark. Because Mark's just a great companion. It's not uh, too heavy-handed um, in his storytelling, but it sort of presents us really with the raw details of, of the Easter story. And so we're going to enter into the story in Matthew 15. So open up uh, Matthew 15. And we're on Good Friday, and we're going to walk from Good Friday through to Easter Sunday in just over 30 verses. So here goes. Mark 15, 22. And they, and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But he did not take it, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And when they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, ah, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others and he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we might see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breath, breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this was the son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. 
when he was when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also other, many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Verse 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw where he laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from, for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed and they said, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Here ends the reading, as we used to say in school. <laughs> so recently, I actually had coffee with a minister. He told me that he didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. A minister who didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. He believed that Jesus was a real human who walked the earth, like he was like an embodiment of God. Um, he taught good things and did good things and we should pay attention to him. He believed that Jesus had died. He was murdered by uh, the empirical forces of Rome and the, and the Jewish religious hatred. So Jesus had died, but he had stayed dead, according to this minister, just like the rest of us would if we were crucified. He believed Jesus didn't rise from the dead, literally. And so, in a sense, as this minister went about his job, he would sort of metaphorically be crossing his fingers behind his back every time he confessed the creeds or read the story of the resurrected Jesus. His faith was in a kingdom without a king. I also sat under the, the teaching of a, of a thinker, a speaker, a provocateur who declared that he denied the resurrection, but in a sort of clever rhetorical device he went on to explain that he denied the resurrection. Every time he failed to love his neighbor, he was denying the resurrection. Every time he told lies or untruths, he was denying the resurrection. Every time he acted out of selfish greed or allowed his ego to run the show, he denied the resurrection. And of course, in a sense, that's a powerful and prophetic way to talk about the simple idea that we cannot just believe in the resurrection and not actually live as if it's real. 
It's sort of hard to argue with that. But why am, I, why am I actually telling you these couple of accounts? Why am I telling you this? Well, Easter Sunday, I guess, it raises the question, um, what is this story all about? Why are we celebrating um, a dead man who's apparently risen from the dead? And if you're curious enough today, you might be wondering, like, why does the story actually matter? Even if you even believe in this story. And if you believe, how does it actually relate to your life? What difference does it make? Well, I want to, this morning, very, very briefly, hopefully, advocate that the story uh, that we just read from the Gospel of Mark, it demands our attention today because the reality of this story, it can speak to each of us no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. In fact, when we look closely at this story, we shouldn't just come away with the question of where is Jesus? Jesus is risen, albeit that is the profound moment in our story. But we should perhaps try to locate ourselves in this story. Where am I? Because I think we can all locate ourselves in the Easter story. On screen behind me, you'll see there's a slide, Jack, three paintings in a sequence. It's by an artist called Linnaeus Branzi, and they're actually entitled Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they're sort of like a helpful summary of the story that we just read in Mark 2. They're like a breakdown, like three-day breakdown, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and they illustrate, um, perhaps help answer the question, where are you in this story? Perhaps as we move on, we might discover the reality of Easter today for ourselves, no matter where we are. Good Friday, the first one. For some of you in the room today, You're walking through a season of life that resembles Good Friday. You've made your way here today with family or friends or maybe by yourself, you're at church and perhaps you're part of the Redeemer community. Perhaps you're not, you're a guest. And you're at church today because it's Easter and everyone goes to church on Easter. But today, wherever you're sitting in the room today, you're locating yourself in a Good Friday moment. We know from the story that we've just read that Good Friday was the day that Jesus the Christ was crucified and died. It was the day that the sun turned black. And that might be exactly where you find yourself today. A moment that looks and feels like death. Maybe you're grieving, maybe you're in despair, or maybe you're overwhelmingly disappointed. And it might not be like a literal death that you're that you're grieving, but perhaps that's where you are today, the loss or the death of a dream, of a, of a job, the death of a relationship, the brokenness of your own sin and shame. And maybe your reality today is excruciating and disorientating and full of despair. Or maybe you're just really angry at God. How could he forsake you? Perhaps today, your disappointment is not of a personal nature, but perhaps today you're just in despair at the world around us, the hopelessness of the news headlines, the mass inequality, the hatred, the fear, the division, the exploitation of our fellow humans and of our environment, the wars and the famines and the the injustices that all seem so unpreventable and unfixable, hopeless. Or maybe the Good Friday moment for you today sees you carrying disappointment. Much like the disciples that follow Jesus, 
the dream has ended. There is no hope. Maybe actually being in a church community today is triggering some disappointment in you, like a reminder of people that have disappointed you or let you down or circumstances that just have not worked out the way that you had hoped. Maybe your very faith today is tainted by and tarnished by the season of Good Friday that you find yourself in. It's so real to you. And there's some part of you, perhaps a conversation you're having with yourself right now that says, why am I here? Where are you, God? And what on earth does resurrection have got to do with me? Maybe you're hanging on by your fingernails. Or Saturday, holy Saturday. Maybe you find yourself in a moment like the second day in the story we told from Mark 16. The second painting, limbo, the day in between where the place of death and despair and disappointment has just given way to nothingness, nothing in particular, just numbness or doubt or just disbelief and acceptance that there's a real void of meaning or purpose in your life or maybe you're just numb to the idea of God and all you sense is his absence and all you hear is the loud sound of his silence. So many questions and no real answers, just silence. A haunted place between sleep and sunrise, not knowing whether you're awake or you're dreaming. The void of unanswered prayer, the confusion of trying faith and losing faith. The sense that faith doesn't work anymore or that you don't belong to it. You've been swallowed up and you're just making your bed in the belly of the whale. Like the disciples on Holy Saturday, you're just in shock and disbelief at this absence and this silence. He's nowhere to be seen. And there's some part of you having a conversation, maybe right now with yourself, that says, why am I here? Where are you, God? And what on earth does resurrection have to do with me? Maybe you're hanging on by your fingernails. Easter Sunday, maybe the moment you find yourself in today is more like Easter Sunday, the bit before the tomb. And the women were on their way to the tomb you're going there because it's your duty. It's the right thing to do to show up, perform the burial rites, and then go home. You know exactly what to expect. And you've shown up today. You've come to this community. You've come to church today because it's just what you do. You show up maybe because your spouse has brought you or your children or whatever, and you just, you're going through the motions and you expect very little. And you go home to real life. And then we'll get on with Easter and we'll roll our eggs and eat our chocolate and have a few days off work and then we're back to it, back to the grind. Just a sense of duty, just going through the motions really. And there's some part of you, perhaps a live conversation that you're having with yourself right now maybe that says, why am I here? Where are you God? And what on earth does resurrection have got to do with me? Maybe you're hanging on by your fingernails. I want to ask you today, wherever you are in the room, where are you in this story? Where are you in this story? 
What part of the story are you living in? What painting sums you up in that sense? It might be of comfort for you to know that on the very first Easter, all of these feelings, all of these localities were present. The death and the despair of Good Friday, the silence and the numbness of Holy Saturday, and just the ordinary showing up duty of Easter Sunday. I want us just to have a look at that for a moment. Let's just dive into that Sunday morning moment. Mark 16, verse one. Hold that question in your mind. Where are you in the story? Mark 16, verse one. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go out and anoint him. What's going on here in the story? On that Easter Sunday morning, where we're gonna zoom in for a little moment. It's very different from the world that we live in. Sabbath has passed. What is Sabbath? What are the spices? What are they gonna do with the body? After living on the road with Jesus for three years as his disciples, they have seen their, their Lord, their master, their Messiah, murdered at the hands of, of the Romans and his body buried, hope dead. The Jewish people, when they were grieving the death of a loved one, in their community, they believed that to show dignity to someone in, in their death was to cover and anoint their body with certain oils and spices so as to signify that their life actually mattered, to honor them. And so for a first century Jew, they were also aware that they had to adhere to the Sabbath, which was the Saturday. And, and as I say, Sabbath falls on the Saturday or sundown on Friday. And so on the Sabbath, you weren't allowed to do the duty of the anointing of the oils and the spices. And so you just had to wait. And so here we are in Mark 16. And these women, heartbroken that all that had happened to their friend and Rabbi Jesus and all the violence that had been wrought upon him on his death on Friday, the despair, the profound disappointment. And they had to wait through Saturday and they show up on Sunday doing what needed to be done in the midst of their doubts and their questions and their disbelief to anoint their friend Jesus' body. It's a bit late, but they've shown up to do their bit. And so it was the first day of the week, Sunday, and the sun had risen and they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away from the tomb? A real practical question. How are we gonna do this? And in their grief and in their despair and in their disappointment, they clearly weren't thinking straight and they raced to the tomb with a sense of urgency to just the duty that they needed to do. We humans, we, we would be no different. In whatever culture, context, creed or religion, we know that sense of duty, that sense of just having to get on with it, having to go through, having to push through, having to show up. And on that first Easter Sunday, the feelings of despair and disappointment or silence or absence or duty were present. They weren't going to see a resurrection. They were going to see a dead rabbi. They were going to see their dead rabbi friend. They were on dead rabbi duty. They were going to anoint the body of a dead rabbi. A heretic, a revolutionist, a hero, a defector, a traitor, a renegade, a crazy man, or a messiah, a dead messiah, their friend Jesus. And sometimes, whether wherever we find ourselves in the story, that's what we're living through. We're living perhaps in that moment of Good Friday or Holy Saturday or the early Easter Sunday morning. And maybe that's our attitude too. Hope is dead. So many questions, 
Let's just show up and get over with it, get it over with, go through the motions. Let's just need what needs to be done. Let's just honor the dead rabbi. Or maybe we don't even do that. Maybe we just don't show up. Maybe we just, we just give up. Maybe we just think, what is the point? Just like those early disciples maybe thought, what's the point if it's gonna end in misery? Why get our hopes up? We've got our hopes up for three years. Why do it again? Not sure I can expect any more than Good Friday or Holy Saturday or the dull duty of Sunday morning in the midst of all my grief and questions. There's no real sign here of power or change or resurrection. Again, our dead rabbi friend. Perhaps that's how we feel today. The Easter Sunday religious feast, maybe it's today on void of any real sense of real life for you. And you're asking the question, what on earth does resurrection have to do with me? Let's go through the Easter holidays, the half term. Let's tend a few church things and let's just get back to the real life where bills need paying, jobs need working, kids need raising and life needs surviving. But what if what if the story takes a different and unexpected turn as you trundle through the duty of that early Sunday morning? Maybe the story has a twist. Maybe the story doesn't stop there. Let me just read from Mark 16, 48. It accounts what happens, what happened to these women as they went about their, their duty that morning. And looking up, They actually saw that the stone had been rolled away. It was very large and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to no one for they were afraid. Something has happened in the story. Jesus is still not around, but there's an empty tomb. Something has happened that is quite remarkable. And Mark describes these women as being astonished and fleeing, trembling, terrified. What had they seen? Could it be true that this Jesus was alive or had his body been stolen? Or, I mean, let's just remember, Good Friday, Jesus was crucified. He was violently ripped apart on a cross, put to death, his body handed over and buried. We, we heard about that in the story in Mark, Joseph of Arimathea going to request his body. He was buried in the ground. The Gospel of Mark reminds us of this truth. It reminds us of the reality of Good Friday because it says, you seek the crucified Jesus of Nazareth, but he has risen and the stone rolled away, the tomb empty and a messenger with a message that says, the crucified Jesus was not here, but in fact has risen. What about these rumors though? still rumors of resurrection. What do they have, what have they got? What on earth have they got to do with you today? Because you're walking through your Good Friday or life just feels like the numb, silent absence of a holy Saturday. 
the tomb looks empty and there are rumors of resurrection, but where is Jesus in your story? Where's Jesus in my story? I can't see him anywhere. Well, I just want to lock down this story today on the next little bit because the story does continue. And I want to encourage you just as we move into this, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a person called Mary Magdalene. There's a movie out at the minute. Has anyone seen that movie at all? No, it's not really widespread, but I'd love to catch it. The story of Mary Magdalene. Let me just read from John 20, because the story does continue. As we ask the question, where is Jesus in my story? Where is Jesus in my Good Friday? Where is Jesus in my Holy Saturday? Where is Jesus in the duty of my early Sunday morning? John 20, verse 11. My Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She wept. Put yourself in her shoes. Put yourself in her shoes. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where, God, where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus, and he asked her, very first word out of the resurrected Christ's mouth is woman, where or why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've seen him carried away, tell me where they've put him, I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I mean, I think it's beautiful, Redeemer, this morning to consider that the very first person that Jesus, sorry, the very first person to see Jesus alive following his resurrection saw Jesus through her tears, through her tears, saw Jesus through her Good Friday and all the pain of it, through her Holy Saturday and all the silence of it. And the first words from the resurrected Jesus woman, why are you crying? Wow, Mary Magdalene, she'd heard these rumors of resurrection. Where have they laid him? What has happened to his body? She had received the message and saw the empty tomb, but it was through her tears that she finally and actually saw the reality of the resurrection. And it didn't come in a pomp and ceremony type way. It didn't come in a real dramatic fashion, but it came with her standing in the garden and in an intimate and personal way her Lord was present to her spoke words of love and grace to her as she wept Mary what on earth does resurrection have to do with you you see resurrection and this is the kicker <laughs> doesn't 
Resurrection doesn't depend on you and it doesn't need your permission. But it presents itself to you in grace and in the eyes of a loving and living Jesus who says, why are you crying? So this morning, whether you're in a Good Friday moment or whether you're in a Holy Saturday moment or a early Sunday morning moment, I wanna say the good news of the resurrection speaks hope to us today. No matter where we find ourselves in the story, it's hope of a new world order. It's hope that you are being made new, a new creation as the scriptures talk about it. That life does not stop on Friday and it does not stop on Saturday, but that Jesus made it to Sunday on our behalf. He purchased our forgiveness, that our sins are forgiven, that death is defeated. Oh, death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. The resurrection is hope of a new way of living, a new reality beyond death and despair and doubt and duty. The reality of resurrection changes everything. It institutes and announces a kingdom that has a king. And his words and presence to you today, no matter where you are in the story, is not to move out of that part of the story that you're in. It's not to deny that you've tasted the death and the disappointment in your life of a Good Friday or the silence and absence of a Holy Saturday or the sheer duty of a, of a Sunday. But it's through your tears of death or despair or any sense of disappointment or duty that he is present to you. He is present to you, the living Christ, and invites you to walk with him. And the hope today is that we can walk through our Fridays and Saturdays because he has walked it himself. He's walked through it for us. He has reached resurrection someday on our behalf. You don't need to deny your Good Friday reality or qualify your Holy Saturday season. I just want to implore you today to look to the beauty of Christ today and his love. He gave himself for you, his presence to you, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, the redemption of your story. He invites you, as I say, not to deny it or to qualify it, but to see that he, the living Christ, he is your Sunday. He is your hope. He is your redemption and he is alive and present and walking with you. So Redeemer, where have you seen Christ? Have you seen Christ? Can you say, I have seen the Lord like Mary did through the tears? Matthew 26, 6, I read it just at the end of our song worship. It says, he is not here for he has risen. And as it said, come and see the place where he laid. Have you seen the beauty of Christ and all that he has done for you? Have you experienced his unrelenting love for you today? If anything today, the resurrection does not heap upon us a life of duty but it speaks words of grace over us today. There is freedom here in Jesus for you. There is a love that says you belong, that you're not forgotten, that you matter, that you are being remade, 
that you're being healed and restored and that you're forgiven and that you're made for abundant life for Sunday. Mary ran. She ran to the disciples and she said, I have seen the Lord. Wow. Brandon Manning has this beautiful quote and it says this, for, for me, he says this, for me, the most radical demand of the Christian faith lies in the summoning of courage to say yes to the present risenness of Jesus Christ. To say yes to the present risenness of Jesus Christ. I wanna proclaim the Evangelion today in this place. I wanna proclaim the good news of the gospel redeemer. That resurrection speaks of power, that Jesus is alive, and it speaks to us today of sheer grace that we have life because of Christ. There's grace for you in your Good Friday. There is grace that enables you to walk through Good Friday and not fear death or sin or shame because Christ has faced it on our behalf. And like a lamb to the slaughter, he sacrificed himself. He plunged himself into that watery grave like we've sort of witnessed today in baptism. And he has come out of those waters and overcome death and set us free. So if you find yourself today in hell, maybe even a hell of your own making, I wanna proclaim that Jesus has gone there already and he descends into that hell today and brings you out of it in hope and deliverance. Death has swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's grace today for your holy Saturday. There's grace today for all the kinds of in-between spaces for not being who you were, but not being who you're gonna become, for standing in the silent, liminal, shadowy place between crucifixion and resurrection. If you're in between the sleep and the sunrise today, if you're in between a sense of awake or dreaming today, know that he has been there too, and it's okay. He's with you. And there's grace today for Easter Sunday morning. There's grace today for you who has shown up dutifully, who have going through the emotions. Maybe you've only heard the rumors, but you've never actually experienced the risen reality of resurrection. Well, there is grace for you today because Christ stands in the garden and beckons you to experience his presence for yourself, for you, and he calls you by name and he invites you to wipe away the tears and see the beauty of his love for you. So Redeemer, no matter where you are in the story, there is grace to be rest, to be at rest, to be still, to know or to not know, there's grace for it because resurrection doesn't depend on you and it doesn't need your permission. The resurrection is just there. Christ standing in the garden alive having walked through the brutality of Good Friday and the forsakenness of, Easter, of Holy Saturday, Christ today, this is good news, Redeemer, stands present to you, speaking your name, calling you into a life of grace, love, forgiveness, and hope. Let me just read a few scriptures. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. Oh, Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Let me read a scripture, or like a little quote from G.K. Chesterton. On the third day, the friends of Christ coming at daybreak to the place that they found the empty tomb and the stone rolled away. And in varying ways, they realized the new wonder that the world had died in the night. And what they were looking at was the first day of a new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. And in a semblance of a gardener, God walked again in the garden, but this time not in the cool of the evening, but in the dawn. N.T. Wright says that the message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and you're now invited to belong to it. So Redeemer, because Jesus lives, we have hope. Hope of the world being made new and of us being made new. So if we have eyes to see through the tears, we can see him. And the invitation today is not to leave just feeling better, but to come and to see the wonder as G.K. Chesterton spoke of and the beauty of Christ, to see the empty tomb, to see the face of God in Christ and to step into the story of new creation, of new possibilities, an invitation of life and hope and forgiveness and freedom and a moving away of fear and sin and shame. Pope John Paul II said this, do not abandon yourselves to despair. We are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. I'd love to invite the band up because we're gonna do what we do every week in Redeemer, which is the profound sacramental practice. Sacramental meaning it's infused with the, the presence of Christ is with us as we break the bread as we drink the wine, as we participate in Eucharist, we experience the life of Christ here and now for us in his grace. And so I'd love the band to come up. We're gonna sing. I'd love you to stand. (coughs) (coughs) We're gonna sing. We're gonna celebrate. And I want to encourage you today, no matter where you are on your journey, there's no rush out of that space today. There's just Christ present to you. And today he's present to you in community. And he's present to you alive in the bread and in the wine. And so I want to invite you today, no matter where you are, no matter which of the three paintings you find yourself in, three stages of the story, despite all you've read and all your questions, I want you to take a step of faith today. Just come to the table and do that courageous thing of just saying yes to the present risenness of Christ. Christ who is the hope of God. Christ who is the resurrection. So we're a resurrected people and a people of life and hope because God is making us new. He's taking the mess of our lives and making something beautiful out of it. And the future has begun. And so we don't walk alone, but we walk with Christ and we walk in community with one another. And thousands upon thousands 
of Christ followers around the world today who celebrate the hope of this gospel. Isn't the resurrection like some unbelievably good news? That there is hope in a person called Christ who we can have relationship with today, that you can have relationship with today. Let's celebrate that today. Um, Let's proclaim Christ is risen.